Hey guys, 1517 it was, the 31st of October. You know what happened then? Martin Luther took what he had written. Uh, we now know it as the 95 Thesis. Uh, and he took what he had written, the 95 Thesis, and, and legend has it that he nailed it to the door of the castle church at Wittenberg. And you know, as he did that, Martin Luther lit the flame of the Reformation. You heard of the Reformation probably. The split between the church of the day, the Catholic church, and then what became the Protestant church. And in a nutshell, Martin Luther stands out in history because he championed what he called, you may have heard these phrases, he championed the phrase salvation by grace through faith. Sometimes it's, it's, it's named as salvation by grace alone through faith. Um, and you see, the cornerstone of what Martin Luther said, you know, what he really stood up against, it was, the, it was the whole system in the Catholic Church of confessing sin and then paying what were called indulgences. And, you know, for the, for the forgiveness and the absolution of that sin. And the cornerstone of what Martin Luther said, you know, the, the, the champion of salvation by grace alone through faith. Hang in with me. If you don't really get that yet, you'll get it in just a second. Hang in with us. The, the, the cornerstone of that comes from these verses. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 in your Bible. It says, God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, do you get the idea from that? So what it's saying is God saves us by grace. Now, grace means it's his pure favour and love. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. It is sheer goodness and benevolence. All right, that's grace. It says that he saves us by grace alone, in other words, there's nothing else that saves us. Only God's grace. And it's through faith. So all we have to do to be saved by grace alone is to believe it and confess it. And I love that. Man, I love that. That freeing knowledge. <laughs> I mean... Not only the reminder that I could never earn God's love, but more so for me is that I will never, ever have to earn God's love. And if you know me well, you understand why that's such a relief. Because I live a life that's so far short of God's standard now yeah you know now, like now I've stopped kidding myself now <laughs> thinking I ever could match up I used to think I could but there's no one on earth 
Maybe you've picked up on that when I've just talked about that, that beautiful message of grace and faith. And possibly you've heard, you know, the church of today. You, you, you listen to some podcast, you, you play a song, you read a blog, you follow a social media commentator. In this day and age, generally speaking, we, we rail against the notion of works, don't we? We're big on grace. <laughs> works. Works, works uh, basically, that's just anything that we'd have, to, we'd have to do to earn or to keep our salvation. And anything that smacks of legalism, man, Whoa. Where someone tries to tell us, you guys, more than ever before, someone tries to tell us that we have to keep some sort of rule or custom or law. We don't like that. Let alone if it's something to do with Christian rules or laws or customs. We don't just raise our eyebrows when someone does that. We slap it down. We send that to the cleaner. Like, don't you talk to me about legalism. But, but uh, did you ever feel the need to pick your Did you ever just feel like I've got to pick my game up? Have you ever said something like this? Like, oh, you know, furrowed expression on your brow. Oh, I just got to got to be a better Christian. Did you think it through? Did you ever wrestle with this whole thing? Because this is, this is a paradox, isn't it? You know, like a paradox where two opposite things or seemingly opposite things are somehow true at the same time? Is it is it grace, you know, and faith? Just, just grace, God's pure goodness. Is it grace and faith? Or is it works or truth or law? Take a look at Randy Alcon's little book. I've got this book. You can borrow it and have a read if you want. Just a little book, easy to read. It's called The Grace and Truth Paradox. Hey, do you, do you want to try and see inside this, friends? Like, it, it, because if you want to be saved by Jesus, like this morning, if you want to be saved by Jesus, what's it mean? And, and who better, who better to grab that question by the horns and give it some meaning and context than James? in his letters to the Jewish Christians. Remember, they'd scattered out from Jerusalem. And remember that the big ticket item of this letter that he wrote, first century AD, 40, 50 AD, not long after Jesus had gone back to heaven, Jesus, his half-brother, James, who's writing this. Remember the big ticket theme of what he's writing about is get real. Get real. 
So have you ever wondered, what's true? Is it faith or works? Because surely it can only be one of them, can't it? Uh, they're opposites. Or another way of looking at it, because chances are, if you, maybe, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I haven't been thinking about it. Is it faith or works? I've never even thought of those words before. Okay, I'll get that. Maybe you've been much more practically motivated. Because, because you want to know, if I decide to follow Jesus, or, or, or maybe you're saying, well, now that I already have decided to follow Jesus, here's what you want to know. You want to know, do I have to do anything more? And I'm sure, I'm sure, if, if you've been wondering, do I have to do anything more? If you've asked around, you will. I, I guarantee you, you will have at least had someone who's told you, and they'll have told you passionately, fervently, authoritatively, powerfully, no, no. You don't have to do anything. You just got to believe. And practically, you know, because we live... Have you heard this phrase before? We live in an age of, of consumer Christianity. We live in a, in a consumer church age. And, and that means, like, we want, it, we want to be part of a church. We can't help it. We're all the same. We want to be part of a church that looks after us. We want to be part of a Christianity that looks after us. So I wonder then if maybe you're not asking about faith and works. But I wonder if the bottom line question is, can I be a passenger? Or do I have to be a participant? Watch this and see. Whoa, that's not good. Oh, I don't need this. I'm already late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello! There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now, would somebody please do something? Help! 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 <laughs> I don't believe this. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, there's not enough left to do. So. Yeah, passenger or participant. Come just take a look at what James says about this and, and see what you make of it. But don't be scared because God's grace is good. It's really good. 
It is unspeakably, indescribably good. And do you remember what grace is for? It's designed to save your life, my friend. It's not designed to beat you into submission or guilt or guilt you into action or trick you into compliance. No, it's good. It's good. And it's got an answer for you for that very question of what's true, faith or works. Look at with me. Look at this with me in James chapter 2, verse 14 to 20. We saw it last week, this rhetorical device that James uses often. And it's where he asks a question, you remember? And the answer to the question is obvious. Plus, in this case, these verses we're about to read, it's made clear by this little Greek word, and we pronounce the word as may. And basically, what it, what it means is, surely not. So yeah, these are questions, but they're the sort of question your dad asks you. Really, they're statements. Look, dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith can't save anyone. And a practical, livable example of that, he says, suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing. And you say... Well, goodbye, God bless you, stay warm, eat well. In other words, you demonstrate that you know the person's needs, food and clothing, straightforward, tangible needs, you don't meet the needs. And here James uses a little phrase from the Greek language, which we could translate more like, like go in peace. I kind of want to, you know, it's like when we would have visitors when we were kids, you know, in my family. And, and whenever they'd be living, my dad would always say, safe travels. Go in peace. And that, that, that go in peace phrase in the Greek language, it's a well-used, warm and kindly expression of farewell It's used among Jews of the day. So you say... Go in peace. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. Here's the question that's a statement. What good does that do? So you see in verse 17, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It's dead and useless. And if it's dead, that means it can't save. It can't give life. It definitely can't give eternal life. James knows, just like I know, James knows we're in a grace-oriented Christian worldview right now. We've heard the message loud and clear and long, and we've even had fights and church splits over it, and we've passionately, loudly, fervently proclaimed it. We were doing it before Luther nailed his thesis to the, to the door of the church, and we did it right through Reformation church history, and we do it now. And who knows? Maybe you're doing it right this moment while I talk. 
And by the way, if you are, I understand. It's okay. Because if you hear me suggesting that you have to do, quote unquote, something to be saved, you're going to prick your ears up, aren't you? Legalism! The pastor's talking legalism! Works-based righteousness! It's a cult! They're starting a cult now and say, you've got to do all this stuff! You know how you panic, don't you? That's why now James says, after he just said what he said in verses 16 and 17, that's why he says, now someone may argue, James, some people have faith, others have good deeds. Well, I say, I can't see your faith if you don't have any good deeds. But I'll show you my faith through my good deeds. Do you still think it's enough just to believe that there's one God? Well, friends, he says, even the demons believe that there's just one God. And they tremble in terror. You fool. When will you ever learn that faith that does not result in good deeds is useless? Means the first thing James does, he states the fact. And it's a hard hitter, isn't it? He states the fact, and he states it clearly and boldly and unmistakably. There is no such thing as faith that doesn't involve works. It doesn't exist. You can call it faith if you want it, but it's not faith. There's no such thing. And if you think otherwise, if you, if you think, well, there is a faith and it doesn't involve works, you're mistaken. <laughs> faith without works, he says, useless. Martin Luther he didn't even like this. You know, that's why he called, he actually campaigned. He, he, he wanted to try and get him to take the, the letter of James out of the Bible because he called it an epistle of straw. So James gives them a couple of examples. Now, these are Jewish people that are hearing this and their ears are pricked up and they don't like it any more than maybe you do this morning when you're hearing it or that I did this week when I'm studying it. But they're historical figures and they're from the Bible. They're not just from history, they're from the Bible, both of whom the Jews knew well. Um, it's in verses 21 to 25. The first one is Abraham, our father. You, you, know, you know Abraham. You heard of Abraham, our father, haven't you? Abraham, our father. Um, I, so I grew up singing about Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. And then, you know, you know, like Father Abraham. But you know, the expression Father Abraham is because the Jews would see Abraham as their father. The father of the Jewish nation. God birthed his chosen people, the Jews, through Abraham. He's the father of the nation. So look at that. That's the first example that James uses. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham, our father Abraham, was declared right with God because of what he did? 
when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, he was trusting God so much that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. And if you know the story, God asked him to sacrifice his son. And it was the son who would make Abraham the father of the Jewish nation. God had promised it to him. Now he's finally given him a son when he's 100 years old. And now God asked him to sacrifice that son. And he proved that he was willing to do it. Look at this. No such thing. No such thing, my friend, as faith that doesn't result in works. Because look at this. His faith was made complete by what he did. By his actions. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And then another example, not just the father of the Jews, but let's go to the other extreme, you know, another notorious character who we know, Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute. She's another example of this, James says. She was made right with God by her actions. When she hid those messengers, the messengers that Joshua had sent into Jericho, she hid them from the authorities and then sent them safely away by a different road. So those examples show us and and the readers of this letter for James ever so clearly, no, there's no such thing as faith that doesn't involve works. We can think there is, but there's not. Works don't save us, but works show evidence that we have been saved. In summary then, in verse 26, James ties it all together. He says, just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. My friends, you know what James is saying here? Real faith in Jesus always results in good works for Jesus. Real faith in Jesus always results in good works for Jesus. Luther's cat's cry, salvation by grace alone through faith. It's true, never a truer word spoken. And it's right there in God's word in all its breathtaking power. We, we read those verses before, like those, those verses, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, what a linchpin. I love them. There it is. Look at them with me again. God saved you by his special favor. That's his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. It's pure gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. In other words, you don't get saved because you did good things. And so none of us can boast about it. Other versions of the Bible say you can't take credit for it. But now, 
With those verses, the linchpin of salvation by grace alone through faith, keep reading, keep listening, because we're saved by grace. That's God's unmerited favour, his charity, his pure gift. We're saved not just by grace, but it's by grace alone. Nothing else, no one else. It's only, it's like it's only by his grace that we ever got saved or that we ever could get saved. And then it's not just by his grace, but it's through faith. In other words, we can't do anything. We're incapable of, of doing anything other than believing and accepting by believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sin to save us. He did it for you. He did it for me. We've got this sin nature. God sends his only son, Jesus. He lives on earth as a man and as God. He willingly, willingly goes to the cross. He's never sinned himself. He doesn't have a sin nature. He hasn't done or said anything that's out of line with, with a God nature. He's perfect, son of God. They nail him to the cross. He takes the punishment and the penalty for your sin nature and for mine. Yeah? And so through faith, the only thing I'm required to do with that is to believe it and to accept it and to confess it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's all it takes. Okay, so it is salvation by grace alone. It is through faith. You know what? Martin Luther was bang on. Hang on. But before you relax on the escalator, like a passenger rather than a participant, before you this morning on this freezing cold morning in Melbourne, before you settle back in the armchair and relax, Keep reading. The very next verse, for we're God's masterpiece. You might have heard the words before, we're God's workmanship, we're God's handiwork. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. That's the same way of saying he saved us. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Real faith in Jesus always results in good works for Jesus. Always. You know Jean Valjean, the beautiful musical Les Miserables? He's a fictional, he's a thief. He's, he's on parole, he's been in and out of jail. Convicted felon, no one's helping him. 
You know, like, you know, when someone gets out of jail, especially they're on parole, everyone just wants to hunt them down. It's really, it's, it's sometimes it's almost impossible to get a job, get a place to live, get anything at all. And this kind, caring old bishop trusts Jean Valjean and feeds him supper and then gives him a bed for the night. Just watch this, will you? It's, it's in the dark of the night. Valjean is now up out of bed and he is ransacking and stealing. The, the bishop, the, 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 the one guy who went out of his way to help him and now he's ransacking and stealing the bishop's silverware and silver plates. Just watch. Watch what happens. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. 
I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. the story Jean Valjean he, he, he does he does turn his life around from that moment of grace extravagant undeserved unreasonable grace he actually uses that silverware to to love and to help the most vulnerable people. My friend, it, it is as true a word as has ever been spoken. You are saved by grace alone through faith. And if you have not yet been saved, you can be. Like right now, this morning. Salvation by grace alone, through faith. God's pure goodness, his, his extravagant display of love. And all you need to do is believe it. Confess it. True. Absolutely true. True, 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 true. And you know, if you have been saved, if you're about to be saved, it's so that. So that you can do the good works that God planned for you long ago, in eternity past. I love the way Beck mentioned that earlier, you know, when she said, you can make a difference. You've got a contribution because, you know, God, that picture in Ephesians 2, 10, it, it's of God. It's God, the history, the God of history, the maker and designer of the universe. El Shaddai, the word is like God Almighty, God Most High. That before, you know, my friend in school used to say, before you were even thought of or thought of. In eternity past, God thought of you. Yeah, He thought of me. And he thought of everyone else too. But he thought of you. And he planned good works for you to do. That's why he saved you. Real faith in Jesus always 
results in good works for Jesus. So as we finish here this morning, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. First one is this, does faith show in your life? In works. And if you say, yeah, how? How? So many awesome people around Mill Park Baptist Church and their faith shines as bright as a beacon through their works. I want to start naming them. If your faith does show in your works, awesome, awesome. But if not, you feel feel like a friend on the escalator. I mean, you're just sitting there and you're expecting everything to get done for you. And you just, you know, they're putting that, that miserable experience. Oh, it's just a, in this season of life, I'm really a bit too busy to, to do other stuff. We've probably all said that before, eh? If, if not, if your faith's not shown in works, how about this? Here's a suggestion for today. Instead of feeling guilty, instead of putting a determined look on your face and saying, you know, and you're, and you're, and you're trying to make it resolute while you're saying, okay, I've got to start doing stuff. What about not going that route? Take it from, take it from me, friends. It won't work. <laughs> and even while it's not working, you'll be showing that you're not getting the life-saving message of God's grace today from His Word. What about instead of saying, okay, I've got to start doing stuff to say, okay, Jesus, I want real faith. Not real faith. Real faith in Jesus always results in good works for Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Your grace, Jesus, goes beyond any words that we could put together to describe it. I'm I'm overwhelmed with it this morning. That you'd look at a guy like me. You say, Jeff, here, let me pour my love onto you. Let me wash your sins away and make you as white as snow. Because I love you. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. trust you together as a whole community of people here today. We trust you that your Holy Spirit will take these words, the words from James and the words that, that, that I've spoken here, and we ask that they're not going to get twisted. They're not going to get counterfeited. They're not going to get mixed up and sent in wrong directions, but they'll achieve the life-giving purposes for which you give them. Pray for every one of my brothers and sisters and 
Friends, so important again, you know, the, the link that appears on the Facebook link and the YouTube link, please, please let us know on that, especially if you're deciding today to say, I want to follow Jesus. You want to find out more about that. And I just said especially, no, not just especially, that's one thing. If we can pray for you in some way, if we can help you and cheer you along in, in putting these words to action in your life, please click the link, let us know, and we will be in contact with you. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.